0: My name is Dr. Bart Precourt. Welcome to the Health Made Simple podcast. These podcasts will help you create simple strategies and simple habits so you can get back to being the best version of yourself. Hey everyone, Dr. Bart here and welcome back to the Health Made Simple podcast. Uh, If you're here for the first time, it's nice to have you. I appreciate you listening along. Um, And everyone keep doing your thing. If there's someone you think that would benefit or that would you know, uh, enjoy listening to what we have here today. Awesome. I'm excited about today's topic and today's topic is health myths, not like mystical folklore and stuff like that, or not, you know, made up fairy tales or that kind of stuff, but really clinical myths. And really, I should say that clinical brainwashing, clinical misperceptions, clinical bad information that has been passed on and on and on and even being taught, quite frankly, by a lot of healthcare practitioners. And I'm certainly not trying to put myself as if I'm any smarter or um, above any other practitioner, yet there's just some information out there that is just kind of misinterpreted, quite frankly, and people have been led down the, the, the wrong path. And for the last, you know, 20 plus years, some of these topics that I'm talking about today, that's why I'm excited um, I've been talking about them over and over and over again, and this is why I'm excited to kind of put this into this context here for you today and just kind of spread it out and so you can go, oh, I got that. I've heard that. And maybe you've already overcome some of these, um, but maybe some of these going to be some eye-openers for you, and and here, you know we're going to go – here they are. We're going to go over a couple of them. Do fats make us fat? We'll cover that. Cholesterol, is it dangerous? Calories in versus calories out, the old weight mo- like that weight loss strategy. We'll cover um, do you need carbohydrates for fuel, fueling up. And again, these are clinical myths and stuff that I just see on a regular basis on a regular basis there's a lot of other ones but these are the ones that come up with all the time and especially this time of year some of these are kind of geared toward weight loss and it's because we're end of year right now i hear a lot of people talking about you know weight loss goals etc we obviously have our big cleanse coming up so they're they're a little in that direction here um should we eat lean meats that's we're gonna tackle that one there's a big misperception there and then things like high blood pressure heart disease arthritis is this genetic or is there something else behind that? And then I have a mystery one for you at the end here. It might be my favorite one of all. Um, so those are the different topics. Today. Hopefully I have enough time to get into this. If I don't, I'll make sure we cover them in a different topic. So again, um, thanks for being here today. Let's, let's dive right in. And the first one we're going to talk about today is, and again, these are misperceptions, brainwashing, myths, that come up in clinic every day, uh, literally every day. And the first one is that fats make us fat. So by now, I suspect that everyone listening to this has heard at least a little bit about something called the ketogenic diet, where you eat a lot, you know, predominantly a fat-based diet. It's high fat, medium protein, very low carbohydrate. Yet, I will tell you, that still, every single day, especially for my female audience and my female clients. Hear me out on this. Don't get mad at me for saying this. When I sit in front of you and I say, listen, I want you to start eating good fats. They look at me like I have three heads. And they do that. And here is why. Fats have been deemed Bad. I'm going to talk about the difference in fats. I'm going to make this really, really simple for you today. We have been deemed fat. This started in the late 70s, really the early, early 80s, and really it started prior to that. But when they started to come out marketing foods for, for weight loss is when this really hit the scene. Really, it started in the 50s when they found out that sugar was really actually harmful for our health. They had to cover that up. And then they made fat, they crucified fat. So that's really how it started way back in the 50s. But then really in the 80s, it started to get marketed to us as low fat diets. Listen, if you take fat out of the diet, the flavor is driven by fat and by sugar. Proteins are just kind of the middle. So in order for something to taste good, you have to either have fat or to have sugar. So what happened in the 80s, we, we started to to look at everything, did they have fat? We had zero fat, and really what that meant was more of a carbohydrate, sugar-based diet. And then as that went on, then we went into these different type of sweeteners that then you know, lowered our calories, and then it was all about calories too. We're gonna talk about that one as well. But fats, that the idea, that concept, fats make us fat, couldn't be one of the, it could be one of the worst things ever that has hit. And here's why. Listen, we need good fats. And I'm gonna talk about good, bad in just a moment. But we need good fats to make your hormones. This is the exact same time we had a rampant surge of hormone imbalances. So a lot of my my women right now men too for that matter that are in their 40s and 50s and 60s have huge hormonal imbalances because for the last 20 30 40 years they've been on low fat diets so to this day i still watch people pick up a bar pick up a bottle pick up a package and look to see how many grams of fat there are and if it is high fat they automatically put it back and they just kind of bail out because they think fat is bad for us. So fats are not bad for us, but we want to make sure that we have good fats. So again, I'm going to fall back to the idea that our our diet, our meal plan, our food choices should always go back to God's garden, which means this. If it comes from a root, a plant, a tree, it walks in the garden, swims in the sea, we eat it. So good fats that come from animals and plants, we eat. There are Listen, and it gets technical, and I don't wanna make this technical. We can start talking about saturated fats, and there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. And then unsaturated fats like monounsaturated, those are good for us. Polyunsaturated, those are good for us. F- scratch all that. All I want you to know is this. If it comes from a natural animal like, if, like, well, of course, all animals are natural. If it comes from an animal fat, like you're getting some fat with your turkey, you're getting some fat with your steak, you're getting some fat in your eggs, those are good fats. They're, in fact, they're not just good for you. It's like egg yolks, for a matter, so, and this is another, like, uh, myth out there, that egg whites are better than egg yolks, and that's a huge myth. So the challenge here is that we have crucified the fat, so we reduce those. But heck, like in egg yolks... That is one of the best sources in nature that you can get your B vitamins, especially something like choline, which is great, by the way, for helping build a baby if you're pregnant. So eggs provide us with a awesome source of fat. And here's another big thing about not eating fat is that fats satiate you, meaning that they help, they signal your brain saying, hey, we have enough food. But if you take good fats out, you do not get that signal. So the only other way to satiate you or make you feel good is through sugars. The challenge, sugar and carbohydrates, is that when you're eating carbohydrates and sugar, you burn through them fast, so then you need more again and again and again. So then you become kind of a carb or sugar junkie. So again, we're not going to complicate it with unsaturated or saturated or any of that stuff, but if it comes from a natural source... It comes from an animal. If it comes from a plant, avocado, olive oil, fantastic. And it's not processed. So I am gonna throw that out there. And here's, and if you don't know, and I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna rip off a list here and you can kind of write it down if you want. If, if you don't know, the answer is always no. Go do your homework. Be responsible for your health. Don't be like, I'm not sure if this is good or bad for me. And then just put it in your mouth because there's a couple that I really, really want you to kind of pay attention to. To remember another reason that fats, and we're going to cover this several times in a bunch of these different myths, are very good for us is because not only are they, they, they help, they're the foundation of what make your hormones, growth hormone, testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, cortisol, they're all made from good fats. Yet we want to they burn clean which is different than carbohydrates. I'm going to get there in just a moment here. So good fats, let's increase them. And so just kind of a list for you. Good fats would be things like butter, ghee, palm oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, avocados, olives, olive oils, fish oils, essential fatty acids, omega-3s, eggs. These are all tallow tallow, uh, that's your fish, I'm sorry, that's your, your meat fats. So all of those fats are good. In fact, things like the higher the fat when it comes to your meat, the, more, the better it is. And we'll talk about that in just when we get to lean meat. You're going to see how these all kind of tie together. But here are some bad fats. If you're going to pay attention to going out to eat, to going to restaurants or even cooking at home, the number one you want to avoid is canola oil. That is also considered vegetable oil this is what's in french fries this is what's in donuts this is what's in almost all salad dressings this is what when you go to the diner i don't know if you go to a diner but if you go to a diner and you're getting some eggs made up they're using the oil they're using it's vegetable oil and that is a bad fat your body cannot process that now listen bad fats are bad for us they clog things up they're very difficult to get out of your body and and just kind of reverse here if you are practicing like a kind of keto diet where you now are consuming all kinds of good fats because you've been given kind of a a license to go eat butter and cheese and and bacon and all that, but you still have a high-carbohydrate diet, you're going to gain weight. So make sure that if you're following a strategy, you follow the strategy accurately. So again, I'm going to encourage you, you always start with just God's garden. But um, but if you're following like a high fat diet, you got to understand there's parameters to that. So some of the bad fats, canola oil, soybean oil, and most of the reasons here, even though you're going to hear things like the next one, sunflower oil. So that sounds natural for you. It's how they're processed is what makes it so bad. So canola oil, Uh, scratch it in any way you can. Get rid of canola oil, vegetable oil, soybean oil, sunflower oil, corn oil, another real bad one, safflower oil, uh, margarine, peanut oil, cottonseed oil. And you're going to see a lot of these corn oils and canola and soybean and sunflower in chips. Baked goods. So, just you get that. That's one category. I'm going to encourage you to watch out for the bad fats and make sure we stick to the good fats. And if you're sticking to God's garden, you really don't even have to think about this. All right. So, that's we're clearing up myth number one that fats make us fat. No, they don't. Fats make us healthy, they are a good good fuel source for the human body. They feed our brain. They help us build our healthy hormones. And when we're deficient of them, we are probably going to be hungrier more often, if that's even a word right there. All right. So that's number one. We got that We got that down. We killed that myth that fats fats make us fat. They do not. They balance our appetite. They balance our brain. They balance our body's function. Number two, huge one, cholesterol. This probably is the number one Brainwashed myth. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I would say that this is number one. The moment your doctor says, hey, listen, Barbara or Sue or Steve, whoever you are, you've got some high cholesterol, I don't care who you are, almost always there's this uh oh moment. What does that mean? And you already have a definition in your brain that this is bad. So I want to erase that for a moment and let's just kind of like, let's just clean the board off. And let's just go to understand what cholesterol is. So cholesterol is made by your liver. So 75 to 80% of all the cholesterol in the human body, your body actually makes it. Based on what I just told you about good fats, it's because there's two primary reasons. You need it for, of course, hormones. But more importantly, you use cholesterol for every single cell in the human body that outer layer, that lipid layer, that is what is made of cholesterol. That's why your body needs so much of it. Not only that, if you don't have a good amount of cholesterol, you become, you you have weak cells. So we have to have a good understanding that cholesterol is not bad for us. In fact, cholesterol gonna keep us alive. If you don't eat it, your body makes more of it. I'm going to say that again, because some of you out there have been told that you have a little high cholesterol and now you're avoiding all the things I just talked about that have cholesterol in it, like eggs, like butter, because you said, well, I have high cholesterol. I have to stop eating it. Well, if you stop eating it, your body has this amazing innate wisdom. Then it says, make more. And that is how it happens. So what we need to understand about cholesterol is there's, if we're going to test it, if we're going to go as far as saying we're going to call it good or bad or our level is too high, just knowing your total cholesterol is not enough. And I'm still, i am be honest with you, I'm a little bit surprised now that some practitioners will run what they I call an old-school cholesterol panel and still tell the patient you have high cholesterol without understanding the differences or the intricities of what's going on in the different breakdown of the cholesterol. So we have things like HDL, which has been tagged as a good cholesterol, LDL, which has been tagged as a bad cholesterol, which isn't really fair, and I'll explain that in a while uh, in just a second here. And then things like triglycerides. So HDLs, we've been ta- they've been tagged as good. We'll just kind of leave those for a sec- alone for a second. LDLs. And here's what I want you to understand. that I just said that cholesterol is made is used to make every single cell. It's also one of its primary things that it helps you. It heals things from the inside. It heals things like your arteries and vessels who are starting to develop weaknesses or micro tears in the actual vessel. So what your body does, it has a certain type of kind of an emergency cholesterol. Works almost like a glue, if you want to call it, in the body. So if you have high levels of LDLs. That means your body needs them to help you heal. And what is it helping you heal from? Some of the things that it might be doing is trying to heal up or patch up your arterial walls. And that's where you start to see the formation of cholesterol. So instead of saying the cholesterol is bad, we have to. this is where we have to reverse engineer the brainwashing and say, well, why is it even producing it? When we have a highly processed processed food diet, when we have a high sugar diet, it produces inflammation. And now with that inflammation, when we get things like leaky gut, we get things into the circulatory system, into the blood system that aren't supposed to be there. And they start to weaken. They start to break down the arterial walls and they create little micro tears. They create these little openings and then your body to save your life Produces LDL to go patch up that tear. I want you to consider that for a moment as you're taking, as your doctor says, hey, listen, you have high LDLs and we have to lower that. And that is why. And the reason I think these tests, I'm kind of surprised at times because there is tons of research to verify everything that I'm talking about here. We have enough data and research to know that just because you have high cholesterol doesn't make you more susceptible to heart disease. It doesn't make it you more of a risk factor for having, you know, like a heart attack. So by lowering it doesn't take you out of the category either, just because you take a statin. And I think this is the one, if you're listening to me right now, this is the one that you will really have to scratch your head on because if you're taking a statin right now, and listen, I'm not your doctor, I'm not telling you come on or off, but I do want to arm you with this information so you can make really the best choices for your overall vitality so you can live on this earth the you know the best version of yourself so it's not a short-term game if you are on a statin right now and you were lowering your cholesterol and you just heard what i said that lowering ldls could act and the ldls are there for a reason Maybe that's a conversation you need to have your doc- with your doctor again. But there are things that we need to know. We need to know LDL level, We need to know HDL level. We need to know a ratio between your HDLs and your triglycerides. And that by itself helps us determine different risk factors because there are some scenarios that are risky that we may need to intervene or take some very specific you know uh, strategies to make sure that we're getting it you know at a healthy level here so you don't you know we don't have an issue. We need to know your particle size. And again, I'll probably do a podcast on cholesterol by itself, but your particle size, they have things like particle size A and B. Really, are are the particle sizes of your cholesterol that's floating around in your circulatory system, are they big or small? And what, what does that mean to us? And then, of course, your triglycerides. And listen, if you have high triglycerides, it's an easy fix. Change your diet, and you'll lower that almost right away. All right, so that's kind of the cholesterol, we're going to clean this up. And I think this is number one that people go, oh, I'll have high cholesterol and they automatically attach it to this is bad for me. So I want you to scratch that and rather say, hey, cholesterol is good for me. If there are certain markers that I need to pay attention to, make sure I take the proper tests. And that's something you, know, you might need to get with like a clinical nutritionist or someone who does functional medicine, maybe someone like myself practicing in this realm of it versus kind of the standard everyday lab work that's done for cholesterol. So and there's other signs and symptoms, so you know you you hear us a lot of us in the health profession talk about like essential fatty acids, good fish oils. These are our sources that help replenish or give us good fats, good cholesterol levels in our body. And again, ladies, those these first two topics, I want you to just pay attention. Good fats make good cholesterol, make good hormones. So, if you've done your hormone testing first and you find out that you have low hormones, put this in the strategy of balancing hormones. Do I have enough good fats in my diet? So, um, all right, so just kind of moving forward here, let's, let's the next two I'm gonna tie together. Um, Talk about calories in and out. This old school myth, and I understand that. I think it's old school. Yet I, I also recognize that there's still some confusion, and this is still being practiced today. Calorie, calories in, calories out. How do we lose weight loss? And that- these next two probably a little bit more about weight loss. So again, listen closely, and maybe you can then add this to your education, into your fuel system, into your. Strategy and getting the best version of yourself, and that again is always what this is about. Uh, to simplify, because remember, health is simple. We've complicated. I'm not telling you that. The 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 act of getting healthy is always easy. In fact, quite frankly, we have made it difficult sometimes because we've gotten so off track. So I want to make it simple, understanding that the concepts of health, that we got to move right, we got to eat right, we got to think right, we got to supplement right. Those concepts are simple. If we can identify which ones we can make changes with and then we take the action, then you'll get the results. All right, so let's talk a little weight loss. Number one, calories in, calories out. Reduce the amount of calories coming in. And therefore, I can then burn more calories and then I would get weight loss. So that formula right there, almost just a, a restrictive diet. So here's the answer. Does that help when it comes to weight loss? Does restricting caloric intake? And the answer is yes, it does. And no, it doesn't. So hear me out on in this. It does because it goes like this. So let's just say that you have a diet that you're typically eating, let's just say, 2,000 calories a day. I'm not really paying attention to the foods, but it's 2,000 calories a day. And then you go on a diet that has less calories. So uh, maybe it's Jenny's Craig. Uh, maybe it's a keto. Maybe it's paleo. Maybe it's the grapefruit di- diet. Maybe it's the, uh, what's the new one out there? Maybe it's the um, celery diet. I mean, who knows, right? A- any one of them, quite frankly. Any single diet out there that restricts the amount of calories, the amount of food that you were taking in yesterday to today. You take in in today less than you did yesterday. In the beginning, your body, because you kind of got the same metabolism running, you got the motor running at the same speed, assuming everything else is the same, no exercise, nothing, that you keep doing the same thing you were doing yesterday, but you have less fuel coming in. Yes, you're most likely, you're going to lose weight. And you'll probably have a window, and this is it, between three and 30 days. And somewhere in there, you will hit a plateau. And then after that, your body just goes into starvation mode, in fact, and then you can car- you can dig yourself into a pretty big hole here. But I want you to imagine this for a second. So really, it's not about calories in, calories out. So I'm gonna put that myth to rest right now. It is rather the quality of food, the density of your food that really matters. And this is what it boils down to. I'm gonna talk about how we gain fat in just a moment here. But I want you to imagine for a second that you had 100 calories of bread, which any simple carbohydrate, because this all comes down to about how are you producing insulin and how much at one time do you produce? So when we have a simple carbohydrate, it could be sugar, Snickers bar, it could be a Gatorade, it could be uh, bread, it could be a pasta, it could be um, cookies, crackers, snacks, you roll up on your sandwich, anything that falls into that category of a simple carbohydrate and it's only 100 calories. The challenge is when that comes in, that simple carbohydrate really means that we convert it real fast. We digest it fast and immediately we get blood or glucose. I'm sorry, we get sugar or glucose into the bloodstream. And when that happens, we dump. So we, we eat a slice of bread, about 100 calories, a little less than that. We convert it right away into sugar, goes into the bloodstream. This shocks your body. This Oh my goodness, your body goes, wow, we have high blood sugar in the body's natural defense mechanism because it does not want the sugar in the system because that sugar creates inflammation, weakens into the arterial walls. Then you have to produce more LDLs. So it tries to save your life. Follow me here. This goes down the road. So when we use those carbohydrates as fuel, increases amount of Blood sugar that we have, your bodily, your body, your pancreas specifically, then releases insulin. Insulin goes into the bloodstream, grabs that sugar, and immediately stores it as fat. That's the 100 calories from your simple carbohydrate. So, carbing up for your, for your workout, that's, this is the calorie in, calorie out thing. So, if your calories are coming from carbs, in your simple carbohydrates like that, and you get that insulin shock, that's a problem. And then if you do that, now you're starving yourself. Let's just say, I'm only gonna eat a 1,000 calories a day, but those carbohydrates are not good. Or maybe even worse, you are saving your calories for your dessert. When you shock it, that simple carbohydrate, your body, your pancreas goes into shock. And over time, doing this day in and day out for decades, which we've all done, a bowl of cereal, that's a shock to our system. Drinking a Gatorade, that's a shock of sugar to our system. When we do this, Eventually We produce something called insulin resistance And that's a deeper topic Another time But that is why then all of a sudden You're saying I literally have patients that come to me and say Doc, I don't eat eat but 800,000 calories a day And I'm actually gaining weight And that's, that's a development of insulin resistance So the flip side of this You have avocado, 100 calories And this is a fat and a fiber A little bit of protein in there And this is not a fast metabolizing food intake. In fact, it has to speed up your metabolism to break this food. So it's a slow releasing. Yes, it does get converted to glucose at the end stage of this, but it does not cause the shock to the system. So we don't have that surge of insulin. So 100 calories from from avocado. Total different metabolic response than 100 calories from bread. So that right there, I just stabbed, kicked, booted, and buried the calorie in, calorie out issue. If you do it short term, sure. Three days, 30 days, you'll do fine. And that is also why, so hear me out. That is also why, if you have a weight loss goal, a health goal, and you're changing your nutrition, which we always, we, there's, we, remember, health is always multifaceted. We always have to look at how we are eating, moving, thinking, and then supplementing. But when it comes to your eating and you want to lose weight, make sure that you're giving yourself a fair shot at this. And make sure that your program that, you've, that you're have that you going to follow, the, the plan that you're going to work with your coach, your healthcare provider, whatever it's going to be, 90 to 120 days minimum. You have to allow your body an opportunity to then create a lifestyle around it because it's really the lifestyle change and allowing your metabolic system to get used to a new program is really. So, listen, I know I do a 21 day cleanse. So, if you heard me talk about our cleanse coming up in January, 10 day option, 21 day option, but it's always with the strategy that you're going to stick with God's garden. So, in January, I typically have people cleanse. That's rehab. That is the beginning phase. That is, hey, listen, we've been using our bodies full tilt all year. Let's get into hunker down phase. We get really, really strict. We're all in for 21, 30 days, 10, 21, 30 days. And then after that is when I usually bring people back into more of a ketogenic and I do intermittent fasting over the next 60 days. We have a minimum of 90 days strategy of really Emphasizing getting your body to be, you know, lean, mean, healthy metabolic machines. And of course, if you guys want to do that, uh, just reach out to the office. So we just crush the the calorie in, calorie out myth. And listen, if if it's really short term goals, sure. But listen, we're not into this for the short game. At least I'm never preaching the short term game because by playing that yo yo diet, starving yourself for two days here and there, um, creates that's the deeper hole. That's that's the rabbit hole. So. So that, and I think I answered kind of my, my fourth myth, which is you need carbs for fuel. Well, I didn't really answer that, but we will. Here, here's the challenge of this. If you need carbs for fuel, you're not very fat adaptive. And what that means is this. So I hear this a lot from, um, you know, my athletes. And, and I'm not not even only my athletes, I'm going to say my gym people. There's still this concept that you have to eat before you go to the gym. And I'm going to flip that upside down on its head right now and tell you that. Listen, if you want to increase your growth hormone, if you want to increase your testosterone levels, don't eat before you go to work out. And hear me out on this. If you go to the gym and you ask your body to perform, you're saying, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use metabolic activity. I'm going to break down muscle tissue. I'm going to use your body. And you do not supply it with an immediate carbohydrate source. You're not supplying with a food source. What is your body going to do? Is it going to fall down on the ground and quit? No. (laughs) Yeah, no. It immediately is going to figure out how to create fuel. Simple law of supply and demand when it comes to health. Where's it going to get the fuel? It's going to start burning fat for fuel. And fat that you have in your body, usually that's part of our goal anyways, right? So we want to burn the fat, which is a much cleaner burning fuel for both your body and your brain. Your, and we, we end up burning something called ketone. We make ketones, which your brain loves. And the w- more you get into this fat adaptive stage, then it doesn't matter if you have food or not. This Listen, this applies a little bit different for my endurance athletes, but it doesn't mean carb up. That is an old school process of... of and then what happens, listen, if you need carbs to work out, if you are carbing up... if what happens if your workout goes longer? What if you exerted a little more energy, more than you gave carbs? And if you are burning your carbs during your workout, you are not burning fat. I'm going to repeat that. If you are burning carbs for your workout, you are not burning fat. So if you are just trying to get strong in the gym and you want huge amounts of energy available for you, sure. Sure. Carb up. Use sugar, right? And that's why a lot of the drinks are built that way, caffeine and sugar together. Is that your end goal, though? Is it, are, Or are you trying to create the best machine, you know, this lean, mean, you know, calorie burn-in metabolic machine? Um, that, I th- And I think that's really what we're all trying to produce here. Um, so we have to have a good strategy. So carbing up before... A workout Again, an old school strategy. I'm not talking about my endurance athletes. We have to have little different strategies for that. Uh, again, carbs are a poor fuel burning source, produce more inflammation. We talked about the, why that's such a bad thing. And then fats. When we burn fat for fuel, we create more ketones. And ketones, your brain is in love with them. If it fires up your brain. But you do need to become fat-adaptive to be able to do this. And this is where using a ketogenic or a keto uh, diet is really, really good strategy to make this happen. In your first couple workouts, when you go to do this, and here's the reality, because I've been through this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage you to do this if I didn't do it. I used to carb up. I used to always, oh, I got to have something before I go to the gym. I grew up that way. I I grew up, you know, I'm a, I'm a gym rat. I, I love the gym. I've, I've always done that. Eat six times a day, all that kind of stuff. That really should be another myth here. Um... By, by doing that, always fueling up. I really never let my body then burn my own fat for fuel. But it takes a couple workouts, like just two or three workouts, uh, to go through that low. Will you have one or two workouts where you run out of energy? Yes. And the reason is is because you're not fat adaptive. Your body does not know how to burn fat for fuel. You should be able to go kind, of, kind of like the old school, um, if you had like an old school mini bike, you'd be cruising through the forest. Um and you run out of fuel and you went down and you switched it to the reserve tank, that is what fat adaptive is, meaning that you can switch from burning glucose as a fuel source and then you run out of glucose and your body automatically shifts, click, right into fat burning for fuel for, as a fuel source. And when we're in that phase, that's really that ketogenic style, ketogenic uh, lifestyle or, or kind of diet plan. All right. So number five. So hopefully I made some clarity there. So we, we basically just kind of crushed the myth of um, the calorie myth, right? Calorie in, calorie out. That's that as a weight loss strategy. That's a big no no. And then we also kind of crushed the I need carbs to fuel up for my gym, um, for my workout. No, not, not 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 certainly not. Weight loss is a good you know one of your goals here. All right. Let's go. To this this will be a quick one. Should I eat lean meats? And this is really interesting because it's very difficult now to even when you go to the store to find um, meats, whether it be like uh, ground turkey or your, any of your meats, they're all promoting 99% fat-free. Well, because of everything that we you just heard from me about how good fats are good for us, how they satiate the brain, how these fats are helping our body heal, that if we don't eat the fats, your body has to make more cholesterol, for all of these reasons... We don't need lean meat. In fact, especially for my ladies out there, I encourage you, um, instead of like white chicken meat and turkey meat, eat the dark meat. There's a lot of reasons why. The darker meat really has more nutrients, and especially things like iron. Dark chicken meat, dark turkey meat has a better, much better iron source and some of the other vitamins and zinc. So there's more nutrients in those others. Is it bang for bang, ounce for ounce, higher in protein? No, but listen... The nutrients creating the body, the, the the you know this fine-tuned metabolic machine, this beast mode that we want, where we're we're healthy, we're fit, uh, we have endurance, we have we have all the nutrients within our body that we need to be healthy and strong. We have to eat a balanced meal, and again, fats will satiate you. If you're always eating lean meats, chances are when you get done eating you're still hungry. And again, when, when we, even with like red meat, if you're eating the leanest, leanest part and you're not letting any, getting any of those good fats from your animal products, chances are, you're also losing out on a lot of the other healthy benefits like collagen. So collagen and the fat, usually they're the, it's binding a lot of the fat to the actual protein. So if you're losing one, there's a good chance you're probably losing both. So just kind of crushing that myth, that myth you don't need to eat lean meat. That is not healthier for you. That came about way back with that fat made us fat and that fats were bad for cholesterol, which, which cholesterol, we just, we crush that myth too, because we think, well, fat, Made cholesterol, cholesterol was bad for us, but we know now that cholesterol is not bad for us. fact cholesterol is what makes every cell in the human body and that's why it's important that we we have good sources of cholesterol and a good balanced methodology within our bodies to make it which means a good strong healthy liver which means that we're going to get rid of the processed foods and just really go back to god's garden if it comes from a root plant tree walks in the garden swims in the sea if it's still organic we're going to eat it and if you don't know the answer is always no all right number six this is a big one um, This one th- This is a tough one um, I, Again I said cholesterol is probably the biggest myth This is probably bigger And that is that You have what you have Your disease, your label, your diagnosis Your high blood pressure There's going to be three I'm talking about specifically Your high blood pressure, your heart disease And your arthritis Because of your genetics My daddy had it, my grandfather, my uncle My neighbor, my cousin My long lost friends, they had it. So therefore, that's why I have it. And the answer is no. And let me, let me explain why. So first, let me say this in general. Again, I think this is a huge part of the brainwashing. I think this is a huge part of where we go wrong because if we think it's all genetics if we are blaming something on the outside, the challenge here is that there's no empowerment for you. There's no empowerment for me. Thinking that I can do anything about this to improve the own qual- my own quality of my life, the own quality my own quality of this symptom that I'm experiencing. So, and I think at the root of this, it goes like this: Some people don't want the responsibility. You want to know that the reason that you have. High blood pressure is because your daddy had it, not because you have too much stress, you're drinking alcohol when you come home, you have a bad diet, you go to bed pissed off, you wake up and do it again. (laughs) High blood pressure is not genetic. There's not a genetic code for it. You have DNA, absolutely, that is passed on, that has genetic coding from your family, mostly from your mom, some from your father, yet... Does that mean that you're gonna experience that? And the answer is no, it does not. In fact, hear me out on this, 95 to 97% 97 of all diseases, everyone in the book is lifestyle caused, not genetic. So that only means three to 5% of all diseases out there, including cancer, including, yeah, I just said that. So even the leading experts right now in the cancer field will tell you that our lifestyles play a massive role in whether or not we're going to get cancer. And again, that's gonna go back to, listen, not just one thing, I don't just eat right, but it's all of those. We gotta move right, we gotta eat right, we've gotta think right, our mindset has to get on point here. This needs to be integrated, we have to supplement right. And I keep mentioning supplement because Nowadays, even with a perfect diet, we're not getting everything that the human body needs to function at its highest level, to defend itself, and to continue to kind of move forward and defend itself, you know, against pathogens that are out there. So the big point I want to take away this is not genetics. It is not your DNA that causes it. It's not, it's not what we're going to blame, but rather it is our epigenetics. And what epigenetics means, and this got this really trumps the whole genetic conversation, uh, maybe 10, 20 years ago, a phenomenal, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the author, Bruce Lipton, um, he, I think he's one of the leading authors on epigenetics. And really what it says is this, epigenetics means that things outside of our genetics have more influence on the expression that our body is going to have than our actual genetics. Meaning those four things, how we move our body through the course of our life, what we put into our body, intentional or unintentional, folks. You may have a perfect diet. Maybe you've been eating GMO foods with glyphosate in it for the last 20 years. Maybe that's causing PCOS. Maybe that's causing your your hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism, there's a lot of things out there that we don't know. So we gotta move right. We gotta eat right. Our mindset, 80% of the thoughts that humans have are negative. So if you don't recognize this or at least kind of like acknowledge it and start to flip it, and intentionally choose to kind of raise the bar on how you're thinking what you're thinking then unfortunately that your 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 emotional state is going to kind of get into a rut on a regular basis that you're thinking you you start to get some stinking thinking and that down regulates the function of your cells. so you gotta move right you gotta eat right you gotta think right and then we also have to supplement right if you're not supplementing at all Get with a coach. Don't don't just go to Dr. Google and that kind of stuff. Don't you, you'll find 50 bottles on your in your cabinet and not knowing which ones serve you. Uh, or listen to, listen, I have a, a podcast on the four top um, four top supplements I recommend for everybody. Those are like your basis. But then each one of us may need certain supplements based on what we got going on with our bodies, with our deficiencies. And that's where having a health coach you know, someone like myself I'd be glad to help you. A functional medicine code, you know, practitioner, clinical nutrition, naturopath, someone who help, can help you understand where your deficiencies are, what supplements and how long you need them, and wh- what specific types to help kind of raise the bar again. And then, you know, you don't need to be on all the supplements all the time, but there are certainly some. But epigenetics, eat, move, think, supplement the things you do. And listen, if you know that your dad, your grandfather. They all die of heart attack when they're 50 years old and your uncle and your neighbor and your cousins and their kids and their friends that live in Mexico. All of those people all have heart disease. It still doesn't mean you're gonna do it. Look at the patterns of lifestyle. If they had that standard American diet where it's you know high carbohydrate, yes, it's a high inflammatory diet. That's heart that's, That leads to, to you know, heart problems, not necessarily cholesterol. So we gotta look at those and use this history of our family, instead of saying it's genetics, let's look at our family history as a blueprint of either what to do or what not to do. So I just had someone walk in the office the other day. I said, we are celebrating my grandma's 100th birthday. Well, listen, if your grandma made it to 100, ask her, what has she been doing? What does she think her secrets are? That's the person to ask, not the person who has You know, been on every medication and every surgery and every drug because maybe we don't want to follow the thing. So we need to interpret these a little bit better. But understand that 95 to 97% of all diseases out there, including arthritis, and that is a huge one that I hear and see all the time. have shoulder pain, back pain, all this kind of stuff. You go to your doctor and he says, Oh, it's you know, your dad had the arthritis as well, it's probably what you got going on. But osteoarthritis specifically. That is when we have arth- osteo meaning bone, arthritis uh, meaning, you know, arth meaning joint, uh, inflammation of the of the joint. And this, yes, yeah, so this means that you're going to have some decay in the joint. You're going to have some maybe lipping and spurring bone. You don't catch arthritis. You cause arthritis. I'm going to say that again. You do not catch arthritis. This is not something that is genetic. Osteoarthritis is not genetic. This is caused by your epigenetics. That is how you move or how you don't move, that is how you eat, that is how you think, even stress affects arthritis, and it's certainly how you do or do not supplement. So I'm gonna crush. we're crushing that one, genetics, and listen, the biggest reason I wanna bring this up because if it all was based on genetics, wouldn't we all have everything? Aren't we one way or another all tied to each other? Doesn't our family tree eventually kind of go back to the same tree? We're kind of close to that. Wouldn't we all be suffering from the exact same stuff? Or are some people doing better than others? And if there are, if that's happening, can we then adapt our lifestyles? Can we start to change some things? Can we take hold of it? Can we take responsibility? Ooh, there's that word again. Can we go back to saying, hey, listen, I got this. I'm going to learn. I'm going to use a different blueprint here, and I'm going to raise the bar. I'm going to continue to level up when it comes to genetics. Because, again, I feel... I feel sometimes, and I'm not going to lie, I'm human and where sometimes it frustrates me when other doctors say, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's your genetics. Your dad had that. He had high blood pressure. You got the same thing, my friend. Too bad on you. No, 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 no. Let's observe what your dad did. Let's not judge him. Let's continue to love him. but Let's observe his lifestyle. Did he come home every night after a stressful day from work and need to unwind with a gla- unwind with a glass of wine? Did they eat whatever he wanted to eat and then kind of pass out and get up and do it again? That lifestyle right there, not real conducive to being healthy, right? So if that if you're mimicking that part of your dad, sure, you're probably going to get high blood pressure. So let's let's be smarter than that. Let's take some different action. Let's be aware of what's taking place in the past and let's execute when it comes to making good decisions over the long haul for our own health. So. Do I think the healthcare system Part of the brainwashing it Is blaming genetics Yes Because then it puts an easy out for everyone Take this drug Take this medication And that's and that, and that to me is part of the, the, the brainwashing That's taking place That we don't have to necessarily take, take responsibility for Alright So Now here's my mystery one And this actually kind of goes into a little bit of that genetics stuff there as well this is my mystery one, and I don't know. If this is one way of me saying this yet. It is the concept or the myth, and this this is the I'm busting this myth wide open right now. The concept or the myth that there's something, some one thing, wrong with me. There's something wrong with you. We need to bust that that very statement down in and, and just kind of crush it and eliminate that, meaning that, and even yourself asking yourself this myth, this this question, this poor concept, this brainwashing of saying, what's wrong with me? And this is a brainwashing that has taken place over a long, long period of time of, of doctors, quite frankly, the healthcare professionals, not teaching people how to listen to their bodies. It's our fault, it is our fault, the media, the television, commercials, drug companies, uneducating, literally like taking education away from the general public. And I was part of that, now I'm a healthcare provider, but I guess I'm so both of it, Taking education away from and saying, hey, listen, you need to find out what's wrong with you. Don't listen to your body. Don't listen to that headache. Don't listen to that tension in the shoulders. Don't listen to that achy, sore knee. It remove that symptom. That is a huge myth. That is a brainwashing that's been taken. Literally, it's overwhelmed us right now. So when people, when we have issues, we've got a shoulder issue, so what's wrong with me? Instead of asking what's wrong, and I've, and I've covered, covered this in some of my other podcasts, That question is really the wrong question. That's the myth I'm trying to bust right now, that the question should be, what is my body asking me for? If you scratch everything I said here today and you only ask yourself that question from this point forward, you got yourself a headache. Oh, my goodness. What's going on here? You ask, what is my body asking me for? If you can get yourself into that mindset, because listen, your body will always answer. You might not like the answer, yet the body will always answer you with 100% accurate information. And the more you ask the question, the more you will learn how to, yeah, we gotta learn how to listen and interpret the answer. But if you think there's gonna be some holy voice that comes down when you say, what's wrong with me? And then you go, no, 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 I mean, I mean, what is my body asking me for? In that moment, Trust me, the message is still there, but it'll be harder to interpret so regularly. So think of it this way, you got a headache? Do you think your body's really lacking aspirin or Tylenol? Is that what it's lacking? Versus if you say, what is my body asking me for? Headache, real simple. It's usually one of three things. One, you need more rest. Lie down, go to sleep. It always feels better. Number two, hydrate. That's probably the number one reason that you get a headache. You're dehydrated. So slug back some water, like a lot of it. In the next, like, hour, slug back, you know, 20, 30, 40 ounces. That's number two. And then three, there's a good chance you have creating misalignments, neck tension, shoulder tension. You take care of those three, you won't have a headache. That, that is like 95% of the times. But that is only going to happen when you ask what is my body asking me for? So, the more you get good at asking a question like that, you bust, smush, crush the myth that there's something ever wrong with you. Your body, and the myth is this that your body is wrong. It's not wrong. Your body is always giving you exactly the right feedback based on what you've given it. So, that's the myth buster that your body's wrong. It's not. If you put your finger in a fire, it should burn. Nothing wrong with you. Hear me out here. Your finger, your finger should burn in a fire. There should be pain based on that. And I know you're saying, "Hey, hey doc, I, I know, I get you here." But how many other things in life? If you are 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 pounds overweight, your knees start to hurt. Think that through. And listen, I'm, I'm not trying to break your stones here, but I want you sometimes to back up. Do you need a knee surgery, or would it be wiser to create a strategy? How to move a little bit better? How to eat a little bit better? How to think in such a way that serves you, your body, your health, your family? Is there a way that you can supplement better, well, a long-term strategy? No short-term games here, to help your health, to help your body in such a way, lose some weight in a good, healthy manner, and then take some pressure off your knees. And I could go on and on with different, you know, examples like that. But that's that one right there. That's the biggest. And here's the here's the maybe the best news about that. I feel like people just naturally are doing it more now. The more educated that we're all becoming to things like this podcast, these, you know, Dr. Google, all the above are benefiting us because we're becoming more and more empowered and we're recognizing that there's ways to help ourselves. And and that's part of why I wanted to share all this with you today. And we've run a little long here today, but that that information, take that, pass that out. Hey, listen. We're no different. We're the same. In fact, we're trying, you and I, we're exactly the same. We're trying to maximize our health. We're trying to, you know, live these, literally live a kick ass life. We're trying to have energy. We're trying to be mentally clear. We're trying to go for it all. We're trying to have more energy. These are the strategies. So we have to get rid of some of the hypnosis. We got to get rid of some of the brainwashing. And we got to step up a little, take action. I said it multiple times in those four categories. We got to eat better. We got to move better. We got to think better. And then, of course, we got to do some better supplementation. Use whatever resources you need to do that. Maybe it's a health coach. Maybe it's a book, a program, whatever it may be. Keep spreading the love. I appreciate you doing that. You never know who you're going to impact or who you're going to affect by doing that. So that's why we want to keep doing it. Follow me, if you like, on Facebook. I do a live simple health tip every single day. It's fun. Well, you get to see me and my main man, Diesel, in the house. He's, that's my dog that follows me every day. And then if you want to see me on Instagram, I'm there as well. And that's at Dr. Bart Precourt. And then the Facebook is just my name, Bart Precourt. As usual, continue to be your best. Do something deliberate today for your health, your mind, your body, your wellness. Y'all have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to the Health Made Simple podcast. If you have a question or email you'd like me to answer or a topic you want me to cover, just go ahead and send us an email. To get my simple health tip on a daily basis, follow me on Facebook at Dr. Bart Precourt. And remember, your body is designed to be healthy. so Let's make this the healthiest year of your life by taking more action than you ever have before.